Hello, I'm Anna Bogutsko. And I'm Clarice Lockery. And this is the Next Supremes, an American Horror Story Rewatch podcast. In this episode, we find out more about Stanley and Maggie's scheming, but also some other stuff happens. Today's episode, titled Pink Cupcakes, was written by Jessica Scharzer. Let's remember the writer of A Simple Favor. That um, This makes so much sense that I she know. wrote this. <laughs> when, I, when I looked this up, I was like, this woman wrote all the best episodes of AHS. Of course she wrote this episode. It couldn't have been anyone else. Genius. Directed by Michael Lupendahl as well, who a name you will be familiar with because he's directed many AHS episodes. So let's begin maybe with Stanley, mainly Stanley, but Maggie is an accomplice with their plans to murder and take advantage of the freaks and sell them to the American Museum of Morbidity. Morbid, yeah, the American Morbidity Museum. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you, what do you make of not just their plans, but the way that the episode shoots it? Oh. <laughs> okay, this is one thing I hate about this episode. Yeah. It does not one, but two fake outs. Yes. <laughs> You can't do it twice in the space of one hour. Who are you? <laughs> it's so confusing. Jessica. <laughs> we, we love you, Jessica, but why? <laughs> yeah, because it's all Stanley's fantasy, right? Yeah, but like, because the first fantasy, he's at the museum and and having a bad time because Mm -hmm. they're about to reveal the exhibit and the woman in charge is like i am so excited to announce the man responsible for all of this and it's not him Mm -hmm. so in your own fantasy you're still a loser stanley (laughs) i think stanley just likes being angry at people and feeling like he's being underappreciated I don't think I don't I don't think he's the sort of person or character who would know what to do with that if he got the recognition that he so wants. That's true. But yeah, so the main thing is that Maggie's having second thoughts. Stanley is a, is a, is closeted and she's like I want more money because yeah. I'm doing all the hard work. And also she's like, I'm super horny for Jimmy and like, you know, <laughs> you gotta give me more money to keep to, to keep a lid on that. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, then I guess the next storyline that makes sense is actually the one between Del, Desiree and Andy, who is played by Matt Bomer. Matt Bomer has entered 
American Horror Story. Wow, wow, wow. It is. Wow, wow, wow. So nice to see him. He's here. So, and the reason I say maybe this is the next logical storyline to discuss is because the fact that Stanley is closeted and Maggie kind of warns him about that, about keeping a, a better lid on his homosexuality, is leads into the fact that um, Dell is also massively closeted and he is aggressively infatuated with a sex worker who's played by Matt Bomer, Andy, mm. and they're at this gay club, this underground gay club, and, and having this conversation, confrontation, He's, really. Um, doing a Roxanne. Yes, he is. He's doing a Roxanne. Like, he has a whole speech, and I was like, you could also just sing Roxanne, because this yeah. is exactly <laughs> what you're doing. <laughs> but yeah, what do you think of of the way that this particular storyline is played out? Especially with Del, who has not really been given that much depth so far. Yes. Like... This is the thing. <laughs> I know in reality this kind of storyline is both kind of unrealistic and problematic. This the the person in love with the sex worker who wants the sex worker to stop doing their job mm-hmm. and just be in love with that person because in reality it's it's perfectly po- you know sex workers are able to have healthy relationships like it's not this like mm-hmm. Or perpetually doomed thing. But also, I love Boulain Rouge. So, <laughs> I I love a storyline like this. But I know it is, it's kind of bad and unrealistic. But I, I am dumb, so. <laughs> Do you think that Andy reciprocates these feelings towards Del? Because I got the sense that he was very much like, oh, this, no. is, this is my job. This is my job. I am at work. They're in, they're at the moment, they're in the first like two minutes of Elephant. (laughs) 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 The bit where she's like, no. Hmm. But then he's like, I was made for loving you, baby. You were made for loving me. (laughs) The only way of loving me, baby, is to pay a lovely fee. They're in that bit of the song right now. I'm sorry, I love Moulin Rouge so much. Moulin Rouge is amazing. <laughs> dangerous addiction to that movie. <laughs> um, and so that's why I just instantly love this storyline. Yeah, although I still, like, re-watching it, I do see it much more clearly that Andy is, you know, that I don't think that's going in the Moulin Rouge direction. It's more like no. you were a potentially dangerous man who is now infatuated and obsessed with me to a degree that is like I need to stop very politely but I need to draw a line here and he does yeah and it feels like this is not the first time this has happened to him so he's kind of going through the routine mm-hmm. of going oh here we go here's another guy like he's Bat Bomer of course obviously <laughs> everyone's gonna keep falling in love with him all the time so he's very much like okay here we go here's my little speech like mm-hmm. this is my job you know, he's kind of like, yeah, there's a little, there's a nice level to that performance where he seems a little disconnected the yeah. whole time. Um, which is, yeah. And meanwhile, while this is happening with Del and Andy, Desiree 
has uh has a little incident with Jimmy where she doesn't know it yet, but she's had a miscarriage and she goes to the doctor, to the really kind doctor that also attended to Ethel. And this scene I found so beautiful. So moving. When she gets told by the doctor that she is not genetically a hermaphrodite, or, you know, what's now understood to be called an intersex person, that she... and that she can have children, and that she was pregnant and, and miscarried, that shot on Angela Bassett's face while she's being told all of this information by the doctor off screen. This is one of those moments. It's so... This season has so many great acting moments. It's so good. It's so good. (laughs) And like, you know, it's interesting because it's sort of... It's coming at it from, you know, a more unusual angle, but I think this scene, you know speaks a lot to to experiences of body dysmorphia mm. and you know and just like the 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 emotional duress of your body not feeling right mm-hmm. and 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 so for her like this sense of yeah it's like that sense of, of relief of like oh with this very small surgery like I could feel right. I'm gonna feel right in my body, and that's so powerful. And like, it's and it's a kind of thing that you don't really see often in media. These mm-hmm. kinds of, and again, it is you know, it's coming at it from a, you know, kind of like the not the obvious angle. But I think all the emotions are there, mm-hmm. and it's Angela Bassett, so she like absolutely kills the seed. <laughs> And it feels like such a because Desiree up to up to this point has been uh like a very over the top, slightly campy character. And like she extends her on stage persona to the backstage as well, kind of when she's not, you know, performing, she still is. And this feels like such a raw moment where she realizes and accept certain things or kind of lets go of certain preconceptions and ideas of who she is and and what she's allowed to even entertain as a possibility, like the idea of having children or the idea of being um, seen by other people as who she is. I just thought it was such a, it was such a layered moment. And obviously a lot of it goes to Angela Bassett and her performance. like. In just that close up, everything that she's doing was incredible. That's why she's Angela Bassett. I know. It's, <laughs> it's too much. But of course, good things cannot last for a very long time. And she leaves Dell. She's like, fuck you. I'm going to get myself a white picket fence. I'm going to have myself a husband. That's not you. I'm going to have all the babies, not with you. And he goes off and he breaks the fingers of the nice doctor. 
tell. Just... Okay. I don't like him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's just say that. Like, go to therapy. Yeah. This is one of those moments you're like, this person just really, really needs therapy right now because they're clearly dealing with that shit, some shit in inside, and they are dealing with it in the absolute worst way possible mm-hmm. by ruining ruining somebody else's life. So. No doubt. And before I move on to the thing that we need to discuss, shall we talk about the Elsa Stanley dynamic that exists so far? Because Stanley yes. comes blazing in as like uh, pretending to be a hotshot television producer and sort of tries to well fakes fake tries to lure in elsa to audition for him but this is this i found the way that this is all played out like slightly confusing even though i know what was happening i can see why it can be quite confusing because it both seems that he goes off with bed and dot murders them but then he doesn't really? No, because it's another fake out. Because <laughs> he... Yeah, you see them drive off, so presumably that actually happened. Yeah. And he takes them on a picnic, and he says, have this pink cupcake. And yeah. then the first time, Bet has the cupcake, and dies and then yeah and then he kills this is the thing why the pink cupcake if you're just gonna kill them anyway like seems like a very roundabout way to kill somebody um yeah it's yeah it's just like a really like weird overly elaborate plan it's just very killing someone (laughs) It's very slow, just like, you know, smother them or something. I don't know. Well, but that's what he does eventually to Dot. And it's like, so really the pink cupcake was like, you're just opening the avenue of things not going your way, which they don't because then it's a fake out. And Dot's, in reality, Dot said, no cupcakes. Because we're, we're watching our fakers. <laughs> um, so they... And then Stanley's, I guess, is just like, Oh well, I guess I won't kill you. And drive you back. Yeah, I feel like that... That whole part of this episode, the second fake out in particular, is just unnecessarily confusing for the very, yeah. very simple... <laughs> thing that they need to tell us which is that Elsa gets really jealous of Bet and Dot and sells them to Dandy and Gloria Mott yes we don't need like 15 minutes of a fake out <laughs> death of him going to murder them and then being like oh they didn't fall for the cupcakes I've been stumped <laughs> 
when you know yeah. a guy in a top hat stabs somebody the last episode <laughs> i feel like it's not that hard to kill people in this universe <laughs> You don't have to put that much effort into it, Stanley. And on that note, is it time for us to move on to the Dandy Mod storyline? Yes, let's do it. I don't know where the story clear is. So. (laughs) (laughs) I just need to apologize in advance for every single word that's going to come out of my mouth. Well, so he's killed Dora. Yes. And he just goes to bed. <laughs> He's like, someone will clean it up. Done with the day. Puts on his jammies. <laughs> goes to bed. So his mother finds the body the next morning. Um, and she's upset. And I love that he walks in and he's like, oh, wow, my God, someone must have broken in. <laughs> wow, this is this is wild. Um, oh no! Wait, was this? Did this happen in the last episode? No, no, no! This is this episode. It's the very beginning. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just no, had I- a brain fart. But, um, uh, yeah, I love the fact. That, I love the fact that he just walks in like, oh wow! I somebody must have broken in, and the mom is immediately like, it was obviously you. <laughs> <laughs> And then he breaks immediately, and he's like, "Yeah, he's like, mommy, I'm sorry, sorry. (laughs) it's all your Uh, fault. You didn't let me be an actor." Which is like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so then they plant some flowers. (laughs) They they do. I mean, this is kind of a similar storyline to Murder House, where they just big of just dig a very big hole in the backyard. And put some flowers and just go, well, that's that. (laughs) This will not come back. There will be no consequences to this. Probably. Sure. (laughs) Well, they probably won't be because they're super fucking rich. And Gloria's like, this is is a problem we have because we're too rich. And too inbred. I mean, she specifically is like... (laughs) Yeah, uh, Dandy, you're just very inbred. I'm sorry. <laughs> I probably should have told you earlier, but yeah. cousins all the way down. <laughs> yep. And she's like, it's been, you know, it's a massive problem amongst our family. I love her throwaway line of like, Jack, Jack the Ripper was a Windsor, for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> mm, which, you know, that's a theory. Well, maybe we should get, maybe we'll get to that later. Maybe. <laughs> but this whole thing leads to. I was setting it up. I was teeing it up so you could, because I know you want to do this. So I'm teeing it up for you. So Thank you for, for teeing it. it up for me. Because <laughs> discussion leads to the best, most memorable scene monologue in this entire season. The Dandy Mod American Steel monologue. <laughs> I was destined to be the greatest actor of all time. Monty Clift, if I had been in the place in the sun, George Stevens would have had me do the walk to the electric chair shirtless. 
I mailed away for one of those Charles Atlas exercise routines they advertise in the back of the Superman comics. And I practiced acting faces in front of the mirror. Sad, happy, moody. But Mother wouldn't let me. But she can't keep my greatness in the slips. One door closes, another opens. And this body is America. Strong, violent, and full of limitless potential. My arms will hold them down when they struggle. My legs will run them down when they flee. I will be the U.S. steel of murder. My body holds a heart that cannot love. When Dora died, she looked right into my eyes, and I felt nothing. The clown was put on Earth to show me the way. To introduce me to the sweet language of murder. But I am no clown. I am perfection. I am greatness. I am the future. And the future starts tonight. My voice is breaking. <laughs> Which is just Finn Whitmark in his tiny whiteies. And white traders. <laughs> Doing a lot of ex like body weight exercises. It's very lockdown one vibes where he's just doing a lot of <laughs> a lot of body yes, weight exercises. <laughs> lockdown <laughs> one, like room. he's still pretty confident with his body. <laughs> but yeah. things are going good. A little bit delusional, probably quite a lot delusional. That was lockdown one, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, but like also, ex <sighs> this is such a great monologue. It's like his American Psycho monologue. This is my thing that I've always thought about this scene. Mm -hmm. His performance, specifically in this moment, I think totally equatable to, I think totally on the same level as Christian Bale in American Psycho. Oh, 100%. But I feel like people don't appreciate that because it sounds like you're saying something silly because it's like American Psycho is, you know, an all-time performance. Mm for christian bale but this is as good like he captures exactly that same mix of like narcissism like danger <laughs> privilege like it's all this the the same emotions that mm. christian bale managed to you know do in the um the when he's doing the dance in the rain in the raincoat <laughs> like that's the same vibe yeah and i think I mean, obviously, people might not respect it as much because it's it's a scene in one episode of one season of a long-standing TV show. But I just, I love this moment with Danny Mon and his performance because this is where you, you, he really explores just how self-aware Dandy is, as well as being extremely delusional in the sense that he knows exactly what he looks like and where mm -hmm. his looks and his body and the way that he has trained and built his body what privileges and what powers that affords him in the world that he lives in and you know he brings up hollywood he brings up monty clift he brings up like directors he brings up like the idea of um of superman right and of these like there's some key words, I think, that really stand out in his monologue, like the way that he talks about steel, the way that he talks about Superman and bodies mm. and like all of that combined with these images of him just flexing in front of the camera. But there's also one moment where he's like getting dressed and 
you know, like he, Finn Wittrock's performance as Tandy is like, he does a lot with his body, but also specifically the way that he stands like a kid, like a slightly um, bow-legged kid, which mm. makes him, which just makes him appear gangly and a little bit childlike. He keeps doing that. So there's a lot of stuff about the way that he's moving and flexing and stuff. And then there's a lot of things and details in his performance, which really just show that underneath all the all the muscle and all the glistening like body oil that he slathered himself in and, and the monologue and the fucking serial killer madness behind the eyes. He's still just such a weirdo child. Because the, the key line for me is this body is america yes because this is the thing with american psycho it's like the the character is metaphor Mm. and that's very much what dandy mott is it's just the american horror story equivalent of that it's like if we can reduce (laughs) you know all of all of capitalism patriarchal capitalism into one character what would that look like Mm. you know it would be and that the, it would be dandy yeah. <laughs> or it would be christian bale and american psycho like though that's why those characters are so similar hmm. because they're they're functioning as vessels of um, america mm-hmm. and yeah and this monologue's very much like the morning routine yeah yeah totally where it's yeah and it's that same self-awareness hmm of of like the physical the physical privilege and the physical power mm. and the cultivation of that and i love the moment where he's um he says as well in the monologue that he's practicing acting faces sad happy moody sad happy <laughs> moody which aside from being funny it's just it's quite scary because he's not really practicing acting faces he's practicing human faces and again, the parallel with the American Psycho monologue is when he's taking the really famous shot of him taking off the face mask mm-hmm. and saying that there's nothing underneath the face, even though the face is perfect and perfectly moisturized and totally poreless and all of that. All of these faces that Dandy is performing, they're not really about acting. Like he is constantly acting, but he's not playing a character he's trying to play a human being and he does that really badly (laughs) very badly so (laughs) also he's so hot (laughs) (laughs) have you been waiting this whole time you're like academic point academic point academic point also he looks really hot (laughs) (laughs) look this is another moment where i'm gonna recycle that meme of I am looking respectfully. <laughs> I am looking respectfully. Are you looking disrespectfully? No, I am. <laughs> I am appreciating aesthetically. <laughs> All that. <laughs> There's a shot where he's just rubbing his stomach, like he's just touching his abs. Look, I'm nobody. Like, Sir! <laughs> Somebody shoots that kind of scene (laughs) and then goes home thinking no one will have any emotional reaction to that whatsoever. Listen. I I texted you as soon as this scene came on because I accidentally turned off the TV in my shock because I did not know that it was coming in this episode. (laughs) 
Murphy discover a star. <laughs> this is the same way he discovered a star. <laughs> and we discovered an internal thirst trap. <laughs> it's not even internal. It's like it's very external. <laughs> oh, sorry. I meant eternal. Like eternal. Oh, like it's forever. Yes. You are correct. But also, I, you know. This is the start of something beautiful. <laughs> So it's it's all of these contradictory feelings are just good writing by Jessica Chastain. It's very yeah, good so writing on her part. All the writing. It's all in the writing. <laughs> nothing, nothing else contributed at no. all. No, he's got a great blazer though. Great blazer. He does have that outfit he puts on <laughs> at the outfit. end. Is a really nice. I enjoy the the blazer, but also the little um. Oh my god, what's it called? The little scarf in his shirt. Oh yeah, what's it called? The I don't know thing. what it's called. I don't know the what it's called. The little thingy thing. I don't know what people. Thing. <laughs> you know what posh people? Yeah. Posh people put a little scarf under the shirt. <laughs> I know what it mind is. It's completely blanking. I know what it is. Um, I don't know what it's called because I'm not posh people. Just, that scene has robbed me of all language. <laughs> Me no not know how to speak anymore. <laughs> I mean, I am surprised I had any points to make. <laughs> uh, I apologize, everyone. I'm sorry, I'm and I'm sorry, Finn went wrong. I'm sorry I hope Finn. you're not feeling too objectified. We do also think you're an incredible actor. It's Otherwise, a really great performance. Have... Yes, <laughs> I'm so sorry. As if he's listening. Why am I addressing him? <laughs> I'm addressing to him wherever he is right now. It filming, is. Filming in Provincetown. New season of American Horror Story. Sitting in his trailer. Looking at his lines. I hope he hears this. And goes. It's great to know people respect me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's just two women just respecting me really hard. Somewhere out there right now. <laughs> I feel like for the purposes of um, our reputations, we should probably move on. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so Dandy in his wonderful outfit with his little <laughs> posh person thingy. <laughs> I was going to say that like, we have to move on to be respectful, but we're now moving on to Matt Boma and Finn Whitrock in the same scene. Listen, I did not say what form this respect was going to manifest as. <laughs> Oh, I'm dear. just gonna. I just want to go on the record and say thank you for putting Finn Wittrock and Matt Bomer in the same scene together, dressed in 1950s clothing, looking yeah. fabulous, drinking Brandy Alexander's, which is a great cocktail. Great cocktail. Made me want one. And also, much. I mean, it's not a nice scene. We'll discuss the murder in a second, but can we just acknowledge the fact that Matt Bomer tells someone else who is not his own reflection that they are very handsome. <laughs> uh, what? Like, <laughs> game, was it game, game respects game? <laughs> Sure. I mean, I, it, yeah. 
what I love about this scene mm-hmm. is like, like Dandy's sexuality is very interesting. Yeah, because he comes like he comes to a gay bar mm-hmm. of first thing off, comes in, and and like yeah, he hires the sex worker, and he's like, I'm not gay. I'm not gay. I'm not gay. Let's turn around and take our clothes off and count to ten. <laughs> Just want to remind you, though, I'm not gay. It's like, <laughs> I are you sure about? Like, I don't know. It's like an interesting scene because, well, yeah. and they're both in their undies. I think there's. I think this is where he's even potentially more interesting than, um than Patrick Bateman from American Psycho because Patrick Bateman is a misogynist through and through but Dandy's sexuality is kind of entirely tied up in his own narcissism so what I was talking about before about like him being fully aware of how people look at him and what he looks like and how that fits into people's definitions of, of goodness like he i think he's also aware that he looks like a man that other men that other men would find attractive not just women like i think yeah. he's it's not so much about his sexuality i don't think as much as it is about people watching him and looking at him in a way that he understands but cannot cannot reciprocate yeah cuz it feels like well, this it's like he he's he only equates sex with power and the mm-hmm. power that it gives him. So like his acknowledgement acknowledgement that <clears throat> like he is a handsome guy, here is another handsome guy, like why oh look at us, we're in we're in a bubble of power right now. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> we I I think he does on some levels like see there's something connecting him to to Andy. You know, mm-hmm. like a recognition. I think that's why he targets him. In a way, yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. It's very interesting. He then proceeds to murder Andy Matt Bomer, and it's like it's a really vicious murder, isn't it? Yeah, and then like the most interesting part of it is when he's chopping the body because he's doing the whole chop the body up put it in the bathtub of acid mm-hmm. thing um i'm saying that like a, you know the thing that you do when you're chopping up a body you know we've all been there um <laughs> <laughs> but andy's not dead and his reaction is to get angry about it mm-hmm. and he's like why are you still moving you're making me feel bad stop it and it's I mean, that, again, talking about things that separate him from Patrick Bateman, it's like, it's again, it's going back to the childishness. Which maybe makes him a more accurate representation of, like, this body is America. Mm-hmm. Because it's recognizing the relative immaturity as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that he's he's having a tantrum because the murder didn't go the way that he wanted it to. And also, I guess there's another interesting layer. To, you know, there there was this meme a while back, which Matt Bomer 
beautifully put down on Twitter, where like people were saying that the men, a lot of the men in Ryan Murphy's show or his like recurring cast, all look exactly the same. And I think there's something interesting about like Matt Bomer and Finn Wittrock, who are like both quite classically handsome and like have strong jaws and like dark hair and stuff like that like mm, jawline for days sorry oh, there's a reference yes. to it later in <laughs> <this> season <laughs> we'll get to it they do both have a jawline for days but my point being but the fact that this like the dandy's body is the body of america killing someone who looks not dissimilar to him physically and getting so annoyed at him or and kind of you know not dehumanizing that body because it's the body of a gay man mm. as opposed to whatever you know creature <laughs> dandy is like i i think he's um i don't i don't think he necessarily i i genuinely don't know how to think of him like what yeah. what his sexuality is i don't think it's necessarily as relevant i think is much more um inhuman I, yeah like i think that I think that comes back to the immaturity. I don't think he understands what it is. Yeah. Um. So I don't. I don't think he is. He's potentially not. Doesn't have a sexuality, and not in the sense that he's asexual, but the sense that he just doesn't know, because he doesn't. It does that entire part of, like human mm. life, just is not. He doesn't know it. He doesn't understand it. Doesn't recognize it. Mm. Um. And the fact that that Andy isn't it just keeps surviving and dandy throws a little tantrum like why like why are you making this uncomfortable for me why are you making it uncomfortable for me to murder you yeah it's uh i think it's like a really powerful powerful metaphor for a lot of the the socially permissible violence i guess is a is a way to to summarize it yeah, because it's like the idea that this should be an absolutely consequence-free murder, mm-hmm. you know, because like a lot of, that's the thing, a lot of um, like bigoted violence and destruction and oppression, there's like that, there is that assumption within the aggressor that there will be no consequences you know and that's why when there are consequences for like you know more minor things people fucking flip out because it's they don't there's no sense in their brain that that you know does that make sense it's like Mm -hmm. the because that that you're making me feel bad i mean that's like the white woman tears you know when someone's confronted with Mm -hmm. their actions of being like oh you're making you're making me feel bad i'm i'm the victim here mm-hmm. you know i mean isn't that just such a common thing to see and obviously this is like in a really extreme version because it's a murderer killing somebody <laughs> and being like why are you making me feel bad for murdering you but yeah again if you're coming back to the metaphor like it's just a and you know it's that american horror story thing of here's a really outrageous version of a a real and commonplace mm-hmm. situation and I think I guess the only last thing that we haven't discussed about this episode is the fact that Dora's daughter, Regina, who's played by Gabori Sidibe from Coven, Yay. calls at, calls up the, the Mott house asking about her mother, who she hasn't heard from. 
Yeah. And Gloria kind of just says that she's what buying squash. <laughs> Reels off some nods. But what I love about that scene is when she hangs up, because it's a spin a split screen of the two of them having the conversation. And she hangs up, the the Regina split screen goes away, and there's Danny covered in blood in his underwear. <laughs> like, mother. <laughs> I did a, I did an oopsie. <laughs> and also, Gloria also goes off on Regina, like, was I a good mother? Oh, yeah. And she's like, I don't want to deal with this. <laughs> I love Regina's answer of, like, basically saying, um, this is a lot, and I'm feeling very uncomfortable, so I'm just going to go. T-M-I <laughs> I do not know you lady You exactly. are just My mother's employer <laughs> Is there anything else about this episode That we need to talk about before we get into Our categories No I guess not We kind of covered everything hmm. So then What is your top quote Of the episode I mean, it's obviously to see the speech. Obviously. <laughs> um, yeah, I would should I shout out a quote that isn't from that because I feel like we've covered the speech. Mm-hmm. I like when Betty says they they're talking about Stanley giving them a TV show and doing all this. Oh no, Elsa's going to take them for a makeover, mm-hmm. and Dot's like, "Well, that's obviously sus." And she's like, "Who cares? I love a new hat." <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna get murdered over a hat, bet. <laughs> get it together. How about you? I think mine would be Elsa's little monologue, like rant against television, and <laughs> where she and these are not back to back, but they're part of the same speech where she was like, "I would rather be boiled in water than be on television." And then, like goes off about how motion pictures are the expressions of our souls or dreams or inner fantasies but do I get to be on TV? (laughs) (laughs) Oh I also enjoyed when when Dandy and Andy Dandy and Andy uh, in the trailer this is right before the murder and Dandy just says whatever magic happens happens <laughs> oh, Dandy, you're the like. Uh, if I murder you, it's just you know, magic. <laughs> He's the unsexiest character. <laughs> Dandy does not fuck at all. No. And what about the Bomo Bono Award for the horniest moment? No, I think that's obvious. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Oh, wait. Oh. Wait. What? what? What's yours? Just the whole undy, little tidy-whitey situation. <laughs> Everyone's in their tidy-whities in this episode. Everyone's always just super horny. Yeah. I was actually going to say Matt Bomer's appearance in general. <laughs> <laughs> And the fact Although... that Del is so <laughs> desperately infatuated with him. 
this is a very horny episode because we should also mm-hmm. shout out Jimmy is <laughs> horny as f in this episode because <laughs> he tries to he first tries to kiss Maggie and she's like oh I want to but no <laughs> and then he's like oh boo and so then he goes to Desiree. Mm-hmm. And she's really upset, so then he affectionately pats her thigh and then just goes in for the kiss. <laughs> it's like, Jimmy! Boundaries, my dude. Boundaries. Just, like, be a little bit less horny. <laughs> that was a lot. It's within, like, 20 minutes. <laughs> He's trying to kiss every woman in this, <laughs> on the circus. <laughs> oh, Jimmy's such a sad boy. Jimmy. I'm so sad. Could you give me a blowjob? <laughs> Toots. <laughs> <laughs> and who wins in this episode in Paulson v. Paulson? Beck, she's getting a new hat. <laughs> <laughs> well, none of, neither of them, because they've just been delivered to Dandy, so that's pretty bad news equally for them. Yeah, I only I was only gonna say Dot because in the in the second fake out, she has to see her sister die. Yeah, and feel her sister die, even though it's not really happening. Yeah, but that didn't happen. I know it didn't <laughs> happen, <laughs> but in terms of the performance of Sarah Paulson, right. I thought that was really great. Yes, and did you pick up on any cinematic references this week? Wild I mean, <laughs> American Psycho. Yeah, obviously. Um, was there anything else though? Um, I don't know. Did that split screen moment was that referencing something? It seemed familiar, but I'm. I mean, it's very De Palma. It's yeah. De Palma loves a split screen. Sometimes people associate split screen with a Hitchcock, but he only really used it in one film of his. I believe De Palma's much more of a split-screen fan. But was there, like, a specific thing in a De Palma movie where there's, like, someone covered in blood? <laughs> At the when, you know, it's just that I mean, thing yeah. of the, the, like, the jump scare where it's split-screen yeah. and then it goes... Ba-doom. There's, I mean, there's a lot in Carrie, in the final Carrie, uh, in the Carrie, um, um, massacre scene in the high school at the prom. Oh, there's a lot of split screen of her um and other on her murdering other people and them getting covered in blood and she's already covered in pig's blood anyway there's a lot of bloody there and then there's in snake eyes at the beginning there's a lot of talking on phones as there is here because this split screen is used in a really weird scene where there isn't that much drama going on it's just a conversation between regina and gloria on the phone Mm. So you're like, okay, is this really is this really where you needed to to use that? Yes. <laughs> Did you pick up on any insensitive historical references this week? Well, the Jack the Ripper was a Windsor mm-hmm. line is referencing an actual theory that is nonsense by <laughs> the theory that Prince Albert Victor, the grandson of Queen Victoria was Jack the Ripper and it comes from a single guy called Stephen Knight um not the one who wrote Locke <laughs> I presume so mm-hmm. um he wrote the book Jack the Ripper the Final Solution where uh shall I read what it says mm-hmm. um so in one theory 
Albert contracted syphilis from a sex worker during a trip to the West Indies. Over time, the disease progressed and began to attack his brain. Now, quite insane. <laughs> That's a weird way to phrase it. He decided to take revenge on the sex workers of London, and for a few years, he carried out the string of vicious killings we associate with the Ripper murders. I would argue probably not much evidence for that. <laughs> To say this guy had syphilis, so he probably became a murderer is quite a tenuous theory. <laughs> I mean, the Ripperologists and the all the theories around who Jack the Ripper was were are so fascinating. And the second theory doesn't connect Albert directly to the slayings. Instead, it suggested that Albert fell in love with a young Catholic girl who lived in Whitechapel. The two married secretly and had a child. But the idea that the eventual heir to the throne would have a child with a commoner, particularly a Catholic one, was unacceptable to the royal family. In this scenario, the killings were actually the work of agents of the royal family, murdering anyone who had any knowledge of the prince's secret marriage or child. Of course, there's no record of anyone alive at the time suggesting the royal family or anyone associated with them was behind the Ripper killings. The root of these theories actually seems to come from the 1960s at the earliest. Here's the problem, he wasn't in London during any of the murders! <laughs> what? Oh, she just wrote a whole book being like, yeah, this guy did it. <laughs> gonna write a book being like, yeah, it was um Arthur Conan Doyle he did it. <laughs> and then he wrote it. he wrote Sherlock Holmes to make people think that he would never be a murderer. <laughs> I mean I it's as, love it. the theory is as good as what this Stephen Knight came up with. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I do you know what I'm kind of into it in the way that I'm into like a sort of, you know, putting Dorian Gray into random like supernatural YA stories <laughs> where it's like, oh, Dorian Gray is a superhero. Are you yes. talking about Sabrina? I'm talking about both Sabrina and the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yes. <laughs> yes. And Penny Dreadful, to be fair. Oh, yes. Yes. Penny that too. Well. I love Penny Dreadful. Great show. I mean, this is bound to be a Guy Ritchie movie at some point in the near future. Well, wait, the ending of From Hell, sorry, spoilers for a very quite old movie, but the ending yes. from hell from hell is that it's it's the Queen in that one, I think. I think it's, it's actually a- Queen Victoria. No, 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 it's not her, it's her doctor. Her doctor. Yeah, so that's one of the spoilers for From Hell, but From Hell is actually a great movie, I think. About it's based on a graphic novel, but it's kind of based on one of the theories. And it's it's not Queen Victoria, it's one of her doctors who does the murders to cover up the illicit marriage between her son and a sex worker. Right. Who becomes pregnant. I'm going to put it out there. It's probably just some guy. (laughs) (laughs) It's a crazy theory. I think Jack the Ripper was probably, like, just some dude. You know what? Maybe it was the aliens. It was the aliens. But in any case, Ripperologists are fucking fascinating. And there's so many podcasts and so many books about them. Just like any any listicle about all the different theories of who Jack the Ripper is. Gorgeous. Gorgeous way to pass the time. It's very big, very big Fox Mulder energy. Oh my god. Oh my god. And who would you say is the MVP of the episode? 
Um, us, the audience. (laughs) (laughs) The two of us. We are the MVPs. We win. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I'm going to say it's Jessica Scharzer. (laughs) The screenwriter. Great. Shout because she wrote this fucking monologue which is spectacular it's so good so good jessica if you're listening (laughs) we stand so hard so hard thanks and a simple favor i mean what a match also Thank you for making it a script necessity for Finwood Rock to deliver that monologue in the tidy whities Thank you. <laughs> do you think she put it in the script? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> Wearing tiny little tidy whities and little trainers. <laughs> what a woman. I think this is all that we need to discuss in this episode, unless we've missed something off. So what can we expect from the next one? Um, we go to jail. Oh. <laughs> we go straight to jail. <laughs> Finn, then in the next episode, Finn went rock. <laughs> Takes out. <laughs> he says, never, no. These women cannot be trusted. <laughs> in the next episode, Elsa unveils a dangerous new act. What could it be? She reads our she she reads our podcast <laughs> and <our> thoughts. <laughs> she she reads thirst tweets she from reads, the future about the scene. She reads thirst tweets about this season. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back next Wednesday with a recap of American Horror Story Free Show. In the meantime, send us your thoughts on Twitter. Follow us at the Next Supremes Pod. Also, I'm at Clarice Lou. And I am at Anna B. Demented. I'm going to take so many screenshots of that scene. <laughs> I think Tom has already done that for you. <laughs> Tom, and Tumblr really likes that scene. Oh, yeah. I mean, are we surprised? No. What? Are there fan cams on TikTok? Dandy Mott? Dandy Mott fan cam? Is there, is there a dandy talk? We should find out. Dandy talk. <laughs>